Welcome, Rick. How are you? I'm doing great, Alexander. How are you today? Yeah, really good. So, I'm interested to hear about your spiritual journey. Tell me, tell me where you came from and where you've ended up. So, I was raised in the U.S. in a, a Christian household, yeah, and uh, and you know believed what I was taught until I turned twenty. When I was 20, I, uh, I got a job in sales and was sent to sent out of state and uh, to a two-week training. And they, they bunked us up, uh, kind of like a dorm room, uh, two mm-hmm. people to a room. And uh, there was a spider in the room. And the young man that I was uh, bunked up with, uh, I, I, like when I went to go kill the spider, he stopped me. And he went and got a glass. He uh-huh. co- he covered the spider with the glass, and then he got a piece of paper and put it underneath the glass. And he took the spider outside and he let it go. And I'm like, "Why'd you do that?" And uh, it's a spider, right? In my mind, that's that's how I viewed the world. And he said, "You know, he's from India and he's Hindu, uh, and they believe that all spirits, you know." have a right to live Mm -hmm. and uh he even believed that it could have been his grandmother's spirit uh reincarnated and i couldn't comprehend that at that time but but i did uh, realize that this young man was a good human being a good person right and uh in in the christian dogma that i i was taught uh if you quote unquote, didn't accept Jesus Christ as your savior, uh, you were going to hell. And, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm a good person, you know, a generally good person. I I believed I was at that time, I was on my path to heaven, quote unquote. And yet I saw this young man and I said, there is no way my God is sending me to heaven and this guy to hell (laughs) (laughs) simply because of where he was born and what he was raised with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, so that, that was the day that I decided I was going to be spiritual and not Christian, though I did take some time and, and I just looked at different religions, you know. And what I discovered was, is that what we describe as God, God didn't write any of the religious doctrines. They were all written by men. Mm. And, uh, and yet, yet there was a common theme between the different religious texts. And and if you wanted to boil them down to a sentence or two, it was do the right thing, be a good person, love your fellow man. Uh-huh. And if you were to do that, you'd pretty much be following every religion beyond the the things that that men would include, not what God would include, right? Sometimes um, there's a kind of concept of love God in there as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I don't know. I uh, like I I took my spiritual journey, and uh, one day uh, stumbled upon a shaman who uh, was doing a fire ceremony, and he said a prayer, uh, and and the his prayer uh, matched the conclusion that I came to, 
And uh, in his prayer, he he used, I don't know, a dozen or more names for God. Uh-huh. And, and then he said uh, these words. He said, he who is known by a thousand names, but yet is the unnameable one. Oh, lovely. And oh, uh, I, I was like, that was the conclusion I came to on my own. Whereas if you look at when you ask people that, that are of religious uh, doctrine, uh, usually they're of that religious doctrine because that's what they were taught. And it was based upon where in the world they were born mm-hmm. uh, and, and what, what was the prevalent religion in that region. Yeah. Whereas when I went and looked at myself, looked, looked and explored myself, I came to the conclusion that there was one God and that many men wrote about him or her or it mm-hmm. in, in, in different ways. And uh, uh, I, I actually s- said those words to myself, that God was, was everywhere and, and that men tried to uh, put, put construct around it, which mm. created religions with, with kind of not necessarily the pure heart, you know? Yes, yes. Meaning Jesus didn't go around creating a religion himself that said you had to follow all these rules. He, he, he said a few, right? But, but hmm. uh, for the most part, even those were documented by other men, not by Jesus himself. Yeah. So, uh, so then it was their interpretation of what Jesus said, not, not actually what Jesus said, um, in my opinion. Yeah, so, well, some, of the, some of the masters managed to actually say, you follow these rules and get them right. Um, Muhammad is a case in point. Um, interestingly, they still managed to change the rules, even though he told them not to. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and Buddha as well. I mean, uh, you know, many, many people confuse Buddhism as a religion, but it's just not. It's specifically the opposite. So, uh, but unless you actually. Buddha's a really time. interesting case because when you look at his actual teachings, he's got none of the trappings of religion. No, within, he, 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 within yeah. a hundred years, he it all appeared. Yes, you know, there was no God. There was not even a positive view on the world, which is a classic thing about religious worldview. Yeah, it was, it right. was a really negative view. There was no gods. There was no no basic books and stuff. You know, but it's like all of these appeared once he once he left. So people seem to need. All of these religious trappings and structure, even if it is it is ego that requires it, right? And ego yeah. is what keeps us thinking that we are separate from one another. Mm. You know, you and I haven't met before, and yet we're brothers. Yeah, and and uh, and it it takes a you know I don't think you can just teach this. I think you have to go through enough of life to experience. But uh, another. Part of my journey was when I met uh, someone that was similar of age. Uh, We were probably in our 30s, and he was going through meditation uh, to to learn the name of his spirit, of who he Mm. was, his true self. And uh, after three days of no eating and and just purely meditating, and and, uh, he saw himself in front of a mirror, and he realized his spirit's name was Hisu, H-E-S-U. And uh, uh, the significance of this is that Hisu was, was just kind of a, a, a slurred name of he is you. Oh, okay. 
because we always look at every other individual on the planet as that as though we are something separate from because ego sees us as separate hmm. and yet we're all connected we're all the same we all have as oprah puts it a cup of god inside of us right and and uh we all come from source we all return to source there is no heaven or hell there is no you know like it, it, it's source energy it, we, we perceive it as heaven because there is no more ego <laughs> but uh and and i have my own i've done some meditations myself and uh what some people perceive as light when when they have their these near-death experiences it is you're returning to source uh, mm. but uh even even like the hindu religion where you know you talk about uh you're you're going to live another life um in my meditation what i realized is they are correct and yet not um like they're correct for language like language is deficient to try to describe this stuff uh, but when I meditated on this, what I saw was, uh, like, for instance, perhaps, perhaps you are a cup of a former part of you and a cup of me. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, like, like, we, like ego sees us as separate. So therefore that's why when we say we're reincarnated, we think we're the same. Um, but it's, it's only parts. We also inherit other parts because when that cup comes to get spirit, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't have definition of separation. We're all one. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the confusing part that ego and language can't disseminate. Uh, so anyway, at least that's my perception. Well, I think, that's, that's I think it's generally the case of almost any topic when you're coming from trying to explain something to do with spirit and oneness and everything being connected words can't really grasp it because words themselves are boundaries between things and so they're agreed upon sound yeah. you know like like all we've done is agreed as to what this sound means it does, like there's there's no other thing besides the construct of the brain to put definition to these sounds and syllables that we put together and, and the whole point of the words is that one word is different to the other word yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. and, and and yet and yet there is no language for this yet. Yes. So we're, we're taking old language and trying to apply it to this new thinking and, and it's deficient. It, it, it will never, in its current construct, uh, be able to cover this. We're just, we're doing the best we can with the language and tools that we have. Uh, but but yeah, yet well, we yeah. all know that it, it will never be able to explain something that's kind of behind our, beyond our Obs brain's comprehension. Obscure like poetry and... Zen koans and things like this is about as good as you can get, I think. Yes, like, like that. That and yet, <laughs> and yet, trying to get two people to agree to even what one of those means is is a difficult thing. Oh, right? you're not supposed so. to agree. You're supposed to just <laughs> try and learn something from it. Indeed, indeed. The, so anyway, that's that's kind of that's where I am on my journey. I, I'm certain there's many moons and miles to go. So. I'm enjoying it, and uh, thank you for reaching out, and I enjoyed the conversation. Pleasure. I had one of my friends I asked was talking about being in spirit and peace and in the heart and open-hearted and all of these things, which was also all about the same thing of being connected, and, and asked her, how good are you at it? And she said, better than I was and not as good as I will be. Yes, and I Amen. think that's, that's about uh, as good as we can say. We're all Fact. Learning.
yeah, it's, it's just we're, we're at where we are at in our journey. And, and uh, the hope is we keep moving forward on the journey. Yeah, yeah. So what's your journey? Where's your journey taking you now? Uh, so a big part of my former identity was being an entrepreneur Mm. and, uh, I didn't even know how to separate that from myself because it just, I like, even to the point where, uh, I was my company, my company was me Mm -hmm. and, um, and now, and my view of the world of what a company was supposed to do was about making profits. And, you know, I mean, it was transactional. It was, it was purely about accumulating wealth and acquiring things. Yeah. And uh, God or the universe, however you perceive it, um, saw fit to take all that wealth and all those things away in a single day. Oh, wow. Which, which, you, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't choose that path willingly. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, you know, I can say that, that after going through what I'll call my, my financial desert, uh, in this world, um, caused me to become rich in ways that have nothing to do with the trappings of the world. Hmm. And, uh, once I understood the things that truly made me happy and the things that truly fulfilled me and, and, and truly made me rich in, in a way that can never be taken away. I decided to use the gifts I was given in, in and around making money because I had, I, I, I took this journey of, of let's say there's a pendulum and on one side of the pendulum to the far extreme, there are people that are entrepreneurs, salespeople, marketing, uh, investment bankers, whoever, um, with two kind of themes in common. One, they make a lot of money and two, they're considered to be greedy because yeah. they make a lot of money, yeah. uh, which isn't definitively true. It's just, that's perception. Mm-hmm. And then, and then swinging all the way over to the other side of the pendulum, the far extreme, you have social workers and nonprofit people and teachers and, and clergy and whoever, and, and they have two general things in common. One, they don't make very much money, and two, people perceive them to be generous mm-hmm. and kind, um, which may generally fit, but not 100%. You know, yeah. They're not tied together. Um, and I experienced both ends of this pendulum. Because after I thought I must have done something wrong, I went to giving away everything for free. Like I just just gave, 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 gave. Um, and what I didn't realize is that uh, karma has two sides to it. We we think of we think of karma in a way that uh, you know if we do something wrong, we have a karmic debt. Um, but what we don't understand in ego is that if we're in this generous mode of giving, giving, giving we're creating karmic debt for other people. <laughs> like, which it, we would never think that we're doing that, but that is exactly what we're doing. And um, so uh, what I've come to realize... Incidentally, is that, we're also creating a karmic debt for ourselves, but it's a, a, a just a not so obvious because it's... Um, 
yeah, we, we have to come back and fix right? this, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so there's a rule of reciprocity that actually needs to, or a law of reciprocity mm. that needs to exist. And, and so what I've come to is that the pendulum should be in the middle. Yes. It shouldn't be a one, it shouldn't be on one extreme or the other. And it should be in this world of, we should be able to connect doing good and doing well. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, they should be synonymous versus at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. And so I have spent the last two years of my life creating a technology that will actually encourage this. Uh, historically, I've always thought of business as a transactional thing. I give you this, you give me money, right? Hmm. Or, or vice versa. If I was another thing, you give me that, I give you money. Like it's a yeah. trade. And, and we are in a world where we have agreed societally and socially that, that currency has value. When in fact, the only value it has is the value that we assign it. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but I'm, I'm like trying to be in the paradigm that exists while also creating a new paradigm where we can begin to migrate to something different. Mm-hmm. And the something different is uh, these people that are doing good in the world and not getting any money or very little money. Uh, I think it's backwards. I think they should be getting a lot of money yeah. for for doing all this good. Now, today, if you were to go tell them, do this thing that's good in the world, uh, and then you're going to get a bunch of money from it, they actually feel badly. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, like there's something not good about it. And I, so I asked them a simple question. I said, what if you actually received a bunch of money from doing this thing that you already agree is good? And they said, well, I donate it here and I do this thing and I'd help family member and I do this other good thing. And I'm like, don't you think that you deserve to have more money so you can go do those things? And all of a sudden, it's like this light bulb moment that I just shared something that just is this huge epiphany for them. Mm. And and they go, yeah, you're right. Uh, I would do good. Uh, why, why would we want to have money going to somewhere that they're they're going to use it for, you know, yachts and spaceships and jets and, you know, things that aren't really helping society or, or doing good for mankind or the earth or something like that. And, um, you know, it's just like, Wow. So I hope I hope that my legacy is to bring this into the world, both as a concept and as a technology to encourage it uh, in everyday living. So um, that's your, that's kind of what's how your I'm, approach? What's your technology? How does it work? Uh, so there is. A, a, I'll give you a metaphor, and then I'll tell you the mm. exact answer. So the metaphor is. Uh, I'll use the example in the U.S., but this is true in different parts of the world, just that I know I know the numbers in the U.S., so I'll give you U.S. numbers. Right now in the U.S., consumers are spending $6.5 trillion at local businesses. And local businesses are everything that are in your town from you know, hair salons to restaurants to coffee shops to uh, microbreweries and and plumbers and, and dry cleaners and all the thousands of different types of businesses that are in our, our communities, right? Mm-hmm. 
So this money is being spent anyway. So this is the this is the I call it the Amazon River of of money flow. Right. So I've created a technology that's like one of those old fashioned uh, spinning wheels that you put into the river and the river makes it spin <laughs> and it creates this power and it's like a the Amazon's flowing by anyway. All we're doing is harnessing some energy. And so I've created this app that people can actually make those purchases through the app instead of using cash or a credit card. Mm -hmm. And every time they make a purchase, it does multiple things. It can support up to 10 causes they care about. Mm -hmm. It gives them cash back savings on things they were going to buy anyway. Mm -hmm. And it can support up to a 10 different referral partners at the same time. So it's just a share, 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 build the community, um, support the community. Uh, think of this as a, a community benefiting type of app from the purchase you were going to make anyway. So it's not like we're trying to sell you something extra, like you were going to mm. buy a pizza anyway. Why not save two bucks and support the community at the same time? Yeah, it kind of seems like. So it's kind of a no brainer win win, right? And yeah. people go, well, what, where, the, where does the money come from? And what they don't realize is that local businesses in the U.S. spend $200 billion a year on advertising. Right. And it doesn't matter if they spend it at Google or Facebook or, or more local like radio or TV or mail or print or you know buying an email list or whatever it is. They have two things in common, every form of advertising. One, you pay up front. And two, they guarantee you zero results. <laughs> no advertising model will actually guarantee you not even one customer. Yeah. And I don't care if it's the greatest advertising agency in the world. They, none of them will guarantee a single customer. Hmm. And, uh, and yet they all want to be paid up front. So we just changed the rules. And the rule is this. The business pays us zero to sign up. The business pays zero as a monthly expense. The business pays zero as an advertising expense until and unless, or unless and until, we bring a customer that actually buys something. Mm -hmm. Then they share a small piece of, of what they... begin to see. You've really yeah, it, done the, the everyone benefits. Yeah, no one can lose. It's impossible for anyone to lose, so it's not transactional. Uh, and everybody wins at the same time from the same thing. And and that thing is things that they're going to do anyway. That's kind of the magic of it. It's like we're not like saying, hey, uh, you should buy 10 pizzas instead of one pizza. No, just buy what you are going to buy anyway. Just instead of paying with cash or a credit card that doesn't do anybody any good, uh, except maybe it forces the business to spend money on Google and Facebook and where TV and radio, etc., um, that doesn't work at least half the time mm. uh, at all and, and rarely to the point where they actually get their money back. So, so all those examples, let's just say they all cost $2,000. They all give you zero guarantee of any return. The only way they would pay $2,000 with uh, the app that I built called 1010 is if we brought them $20,000 in business. Yeah. So they can't lose. It's impossible. And they would never say stop because if they paid us a million dollars, that means they made $10 million. Yeah, if, if they paid us $10 million, it means yeah. they made $100 million. So 
uh, there's no way to lose. And how's it going? We literally just launched the app. Like it literally went up live in the app store and Google play in the last couple of weeks. So uh, we're at the earliest stages. We have found that young people love this. So we're focused on colleges and universities. We're open to others, but, um, you know, let's get real. It's an app that works. That's kind of like a combination of Rakuten and Venmo and uh, Amazon Smile and, and other things all built into one app. And uh, if you're not comfortable with like Venmo or the Cash app, then then you're not going to be comfortable with 1010. Um, so 1010, you know, like T-E-N, T-E-N. Actually, T-E-N-1-0. T-E-N-1-0. Okay, 1010. 1010. Fantastic. Sounds like a really good venture. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think, going to be a fun ride. Uh, in my background, in my younger years, uh, I am the only person that's built two of America's fastest growing companies before turning 30. Um, and I think that uh, those experiences, while fun and interesting, uh, won't hold a candle to what, what 1010 mm-hmm. is going to be. That's fantastic. You've got some confidence. I've been struggling with the same question about good versus well, doing good versus doing well, mm-hmm. and the separation. I came to a similar but slightly different approach. Um, one of the things that I've really come to believe in is the cooperative business model. And I think it the, one of the reasons for that is that it does kind of sit in the middle between a charitable business and a money-making business. Um, and the other one is that it makes sure that things are owned and controlled by communities and not by wealthy individuals. Um, so it's that community support and strength that I really believe in. And what I've found the real difficulty with is in cooperative business is that it requires really good leaders and really selfless leaders. And so though in many ways, co-ops are far more, like all the statistics say that they do really well, and that it's the most sensible way to run a business. But people don't organize things in such a way because they are scared of the losing of control that is involved in it. So after having explored this direction for some time, I ended up going, the only way I'm going to make this work is to is to teach more people to become enlightened leaders so that they can be more selfless in their work. Yeah, I, I had an experience. Um, everybody knows what cloud storage is. Mm-hmm. They've heard of Dropbox, etc. Dropbox uh, came about in 2009. Uh, I had actually built a technology stack that included uh, Gmail and calendaring and Dropbox in 1999. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, 20 years later, I can see, I, I can validate and prove that, that I, I was able to see the future and I knew what was coming. Hmm. And, and I built a product and, and this was a high quality product that was named a runner up to Adobe software at the world's lar- the second largest uh, 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 PC Expo uh, mm-hmm. uh, convention. So 
So like, it wasn't uh, uh, just my opinion that it was good. It, it was recognized as a, as a top product. But what I also learned is that you can be right, but you can be too early. And being too <laughs> early is the same as being wrong. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why I'm not trying to leap forward to something that's so um, unrecognized as a business model. Uh, and even, mm. even within launching 1010, I realized that my target market isn't 40 plus because 40 plus typically they don't want to download an app. They're like, uh, I already got enough apps. Uh, if they download an app, they d- certainly don't want to connect their bank account. They distrust uh, the general nature of, of someone uh, or an app connecting their bank account by, by you have to log into your bank account to connect it. They think somebody's going to steal their username yeah. and password. Uh, and, and then even with that, they're not inclined to pull out their phone to make a payment. They, they, they're as likely yeah. or more likely to pull out a checkbook. <laughs> which which have kind of gone by the wayside, right? Um, so yeah. so uh, we've adapted, and we think that college students are going to lead the way. This next generation is going to lead the way because they they grew up with with cell phones, right? <laughs> like like mm-hmm. uh, people in their forties and fifties, like they didn't come until later in life, uh, and you know, and certainly smartphones didn't come until much later in life. So uh, so. This younger generation, they're like, I don't want to use cash or a credit card. I just assume use my phone. And I already know I have to connect my bank account because I already have Venmo or I already have the Vacash app. And that's the, it works the same way there. So they don't yeah. even think twice about it. And the fact that they can support their community, I'm so proud of this younger generation. Uh, I, I, I have a board member and he said, yeah, it's, it's, for this younger generation, it's more about the we than the me. And uh, like, it's, it's so powerful, like such a simple saying, but so true and so powerful. And this younger generation loves the idea of when they spend money, it goes to supporting causes they care about. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we believe that this younger generation is going to lead us to a better world. And how are you going with businesses? Uh, so businesses actually like the social impact. Because businesses are approached by nonprofits a lot, but at some point they don't have any more to give because there's no reciprocity, right? It's just yeah. it's just the business owner giving however much they can afford to give. But with this model, it's like, oh, the nonprofits are going to send their supporters. Uh, the college students are going to send their friends. Absolutely. This is great. So it's a win-win that they get to support the community and the community is supporting them. Because we're focused on local businesses more than, uh, you know, we're not, we're not trying to get big corporations signed up. Mm, yeah, yeah. And this is, is um, mainly focused in a geographical area? You're, you're focused in the U.S., or particular areas of the U.S.? So, so we're starting out in the U.S. because we have to tap into the banking system of the country we're in. Uh-huh. And because yeah. we're here, we knew the system best. So that's where we decided to tap in because we have to connect the bank account to the app because we're sending basically money from a consumer's bank account to the business's bank account. Uh, we will roll out country after country after country after we get to the initial traction and proof uh, here in the U.S. 
we actually have just struck a deal to become a MasterCard card issuer next year. So mm-hmm. international uh, possibilities will exist in 2022 for us. Wow, fantastic. Okay. Do you have more information that people want to know more about? Sure. I mean, you can, you can look us up uh, in the App Store or Google Play. Uh, I would search for TEN10, and I would probably add the word cash back. That should put us at the top result. Mm-hmm. It's basically a blue background, uh, a circle with the, the kind of is arrows making a circle and a dollar sign in the middle. And the, the significance of the circles is that the money flows and is shared with everybody in the community. And our, our tagline is generosity pays. <laughs> so uh, we truly believe and have built a system and technology to support that tagline. And what does this do for your own inner journey? Uh, so I, I was in my youth, I thought that, uh, you know, I would have the goal of the, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing to the point where I had everything I ever dreamed of. And my next goal was a private jet because I had no other goal left. Um, and, uh, and then I, I, I lost everything and, um, and then I went on this 20 year financial desert journey where, I literally had to go through the process of letting go of even the things. Even though I'd lost the money, I still held on to things. Uh, Always thinking that, oh, I'm going to make it back or, you know, this is, you know, I spent so much money on this thing. I can't give it up. And, and, you know, I would hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it until finally I just surrendered and I let it all go. And it was the most freeing and wonderful feeling I ever experienced. Even though I was scared to death of it, it, it was exactly what I personally needed, not recommending it for anyone else, just saying that was my journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, uh, so much so that I, I've made a founder pledge that's the inverse of what we think of through religion. We think of that we should have 10% tithing, right? Uh, I've made a founder's pledge that I'm giving back 90% of everything I make to the world, whether it's donating it to nonprofits or it's investing Mm -hmm. in social enterprises that have a core purpose of doing, you know, social good within their for-profit business. Um, And, or it could just be something as simple as buying a piece of land and giving it back to humanity. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, like the money piece, I've learned that you know, a little bit of travel, uh, a, a few good meals, uh, maybe a movie, maybe a round of golf. I'm happy. Like I, I, it, I once had two boats that I never used. Uh, and now what I realize is if, if I perchance would want to go on a boat, I can rent it for a weekend. I don't need to own it. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm in a different place in life where, where I will get more personal reward when money starts flowing and families get an extra 50, 100, $200 a month, and it changes their trajectory of what they're able to do for their family, um, I will feel really uh, validated when a family in, say, someplace like Kenya or India or someplace you know, like that makes 50 cents when a family in the U.S. goes out to dinner. Like to me, I will feel like that is, I've actually accomplished something. So, uh, because now 
wealth can be democratized and shared around the world. Uh, and all you need is a, a little bit of hustle. You don't need anything else. You don't need money. You don't need to know how to, to create a, uh, a app or, you know, there, there's nothing limiting you except your own desire and hustle. And you can participate in this wealth creation and sharing around the world. Well, wonderful for, to, to have you here. Wonderful to meet you. It's a really exciting project. I want to hear how it goes. Thank you for having me, Alexander. Yeah. Um, and may we stay in touch and uh, follow up this trajectory. This will be very interesting. Yeah, of course. Be happy to. It'll be an interesting journey over the next six months to see how things uh, uh, kind of progress and roll out and, and manifest. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to live a life of being detached and yet, I'm, I'm human and struggle with ego and, and uh, uh, you know, have big aspirations for this to, to go around the world. And I'm, I'm hopeful that my intention is, is pure and, and will result in others seeing that, that this is a technology that could help millions. Fantastic.